Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Now, here's the host of WP Tonic, Jonathan Dinwood and John Locke. Welcome to WP Tonic, episode 185. Today, we're talking with Lee Jackson of Event Engine and Angled Crown about oh, putting out event web. No, I'm not <laughs> waiting for you. Yeah, we're going to be talking, <laughs> like I said, we're, we're going to be talking about like uh, putting out event websites. But before we get into this enlightening discussion with Lee, we want to give a big thanks to our sponsor, Liquid Web. While Liquid Web has best been known as a managed hosting company with tons of options, they've been around for years. Recently, they've designed a managed WordPress offering that's perfect for mission-critical sites. If you're looking for improved performance, maximized uptime, and incredible support, Liquid Web is the partner that you've been looking for. They're also innovating with their new rollout of previewing plugins when you update them, so check that out. We'll also want you to know every Liquid Web managed WordPress customer has iTheme Sync already integrated into their management portal. What does this mean for you? It means you can update several sites with a single touch. And if you sign up today using the discount code WPTONIC33, you'll get a 33% discount for the next six months. So visit Liquid... Yeah, I know. Visit right. liquidweb.com slash WordPress to get started and use the discount code WPTONIC33. 33 and with that we're going to get into today's episode lee jackson we know him we love him we respect him for those who are just tuning in for the very first time tell us a little bit about yourself oh hi i'm happy you love and respect me so um that's that's nice that's boosted my ego for the rest of the day now um yeah i am a i'm a wordpress developer and i work with design agencies all around the world helping get their gorgeous designs on the internet uh, i also um, run another company just for fun. Hey, well, remember you shouldn't have all your eggs in one basket, right? So I've got another right. company as well, which is called Event Engine. And for that company, we actually build bespoke um, event websites for uh, for event organizers and give them the whole kind of consultancy with regards to uh, you know lead conversion, getting more people at the event, all that sort of stuff. So two different businesses uh, keep me nice and busy. Uh, and then in between that, I love like hanging out with the family. That's kind of me. Those three things. Those are good three things. I also want to introduce my co-host, Jonathan. Take it away. Tell us about yourself. Oh, hi there, folks. I'm the founder of WP Tonic. We're a maintenance security company that only works with WordPress. Um, like I also live in a fantastic area of northern Nevada, the Sierra Mountains, 40 minutes from Lake Tahoe. I'm doing a good advertising campaign. <laughs> um, we're your trusted partner. Back to my co-host, John Locke. And definitely, like you said, I'm John Locke. My business is Lockdown Design. And what I provide for you is custom WordPress development and SEO for your small to medium enterprise businesses and e-commerce shops. So look me up. And with that, we are going to get into the interview. And I want to ask you, Lee, it's, you know, we know you um, from the WP Innovator podcast. We know you from 
Um, you know, formerly it was Lee Jackson Dev. Now you're rebranded as Angled Crown. But what made you get into developing this secondary business event engine, and and why uh, conferences and expos? Why did uh, choose that instead of some other vertical niche? Was it did you do a uh, book yourself solid uh, type of niche down, or or did it just kind of happen organically? Nope. Um, so actually, that business came first. So Angle Crown slash Lee Jackson Dev is the secondary business. That's where we kind of went off in a different direction. Uh, I mean, the brief story is, is that I joined an agency um, eight, nine years ago, and uh, they were in the events industry. They were doing design and branding for the events industry. And what resulted from that, me doing the digital aspect, because obviously I was able to come in and add the digital side to the business. They were all designed to print guys. Suddenly you've got a developer who can actually translate those designs into websites. We then built Event Engine um, with, with some terrible name. I can't remember what we called it back then. But you know, there was a version one which was based on WordPress, and uh, and it was terrible. And <laughs> I cry even thinking about it. But your first product is usually terrible. And uh, over years, uh, we've established this really cool product uh, and in the events industry because that agency happened to be in it. And we also knew that within the industry, there are um, maybe only two or three players who pretty much owned websites for event uh, event companies back then. It's all different now. Um, and uh, and they were stupendously expensive and also stupendously limited. So all event websites kind of looked exactly the same. So we kind of went in on that um, and made a whole crap ton of mistakes, taking on way more than we could chew until eventually we found a happy medium. <laughs> uh, so now we uh, we just work with event companies. We're not like their agency anymore. We just we actually use their our software for them and then we uh, then consult with designers on their behalf if need be etc uh, to evolve uh, their sites etc so um so yeah event engine came first what happened then was the reason why i then went off in almost seemingly different direction with angled crown as it is now um was simply because i'd already done all the work that event engine needed to do i developed the product we were selling licensing and there was nothing much else for me to do other than a little bit of code here or there. And the bit I'd loved was taking a design agency that designed for print and like bringing them into the now and the future by converting them into a fully, fully fledged digital agency. So I realized I love that so much. Why don't I make that a business and therefore target other design agencies who again have that design to print background and are desperate to get into the digital space uh, and it's been a real sweet spot now for the last four years of us connecting with design agencies they do the design work they're not worried about wordpress etc and uh, we do the wordpress stuff that we know and love because i actually i'm not the best designer in the world they usually are but i'm actually a hell of a lot better than they are at code so i can make it happen so that's kind of the the potted history in three minutes no excellent i have a couple questions like coming out of all that, but but first off, you said uh, the CMS that you're using is is based on top of WordPress, and um, it's got a lot of what you're using. It basically is your own kind of CMS on top of that. But what what kind of things did you have to like add into that to, to make it custom for uh, these expos and conferences to be able to use and manage in a way that's super easy. What, what kind of considerations? 
Well, the the main the main areas are understanding what an event website needs to do, and a lot of that is all around um, capturing people with regards to their information and what type of person they are. So you've got multiple journeys on an event website. You've got a potential exhibitor, you've got a potential sponsor, and even they are split out into your headline sponsor, et cetera, et cetera. But then you also have your visitor who may not actually physically go to the event, but you still want to market at them with your 18 touch points or whatever it is that the marketers say. Uh, and then there is also the person who wants to register for that event website as well. So um, we, we went very much down a lead generation and informational. So if you imagine most events have a fully-fledged agenda, multiple days, they'll have multiple breakouts, workshops, and streams. So we created a very complicated agenda system. When I say complicated, it's uh, complicated in code, nice and easy for them to input, but you know, very complicated to try and link everything up so it would actually make sense when someone looked at it on a mobile device um, or uh, you know, on a computer, et cetera but then managed all the other data sets like your exhibitors, your sponsors, creating areas like zones that a sponsor could go in and update their information or submit content, creating areas for people to be able to submit their speeches and all that sort of stuff, creating another area after the event for your for your media so you could upload all of your videos and stuff and people who'd paid for the event could go in with a password and log in, et cetera. So there was a hell of a lot for us to consider. Um, and... I alluded to the fact we made a lot of mistakes early on. One of the mistakes we made was we tried to do everything out of the box. That was a nightmare. <laughs> uh, so it's basically like what, what, what you're describing, though, it, it sounds very well thought out. Basically, you have like areas for you know different like people who interact with it. Like there's people who register, there's people who sponsor. Um, you know, there's all these different, you know, the speakers like submitting their stuff. So it's, it's all different kind of like levels of um, access to the site and, and making sure that everything is like flowing smoothly. Yeah. And you describe this as like an iterative process of, of adding stuff as you go along. That um, were, you should say like when you try to do everything out the box is very hard. Um, you know, when it comes to, to feedback, how did how did that grow when when people were giving you feedback on you know the early stages of uh, event engine? Well, I, I think the beauty of the relationship that we had with most of the clients was a lot of these clients were design clients who'd already been with us for all of the print and and our campaign work, etc. That we did, so we were actually able to use them, give them really good deals. They would give us research and development, essentially. So they'd get a stupendously cheap deal. We'd get a whole lot of free R and D from those guys. We'd get to look at their existing processes and procedures, etc., and essentially create something that worked for them. But we would have say three or four of these um, clients working with us on maybe one or two events just to see how it went, and that really allowed us to create what we now have and what we what we push out there. Um, and again. Because it's WordPress, we've done it modular. So you know, if you only need an exhibit, you know, the exhibitor zone, great. We'll turn that on, and everything else just stays off. You know, so uh, we've gone down that model. But at first, we tried to just load everything in because we thought we had to compete with the big guys, and then we realized actually no one needs all of that. They just need some of it and done well. My voice is so deep. I'm loving this. I feel like breaking out into a Barry White. Oh, you're on mute, mate. Oh yeah. Oh, that's way better than mine. I'm jealous. Oh, um, yeah. One thing that you um okay, so <laughs> basically you're pitching this toward um design companies. So maybe they just do like branding or they just do the UI or maybe they just specialize in print. 
but these uh, types of jobs come across their desk. So how do you get in front of, of these uh, strategic partners? Is it just through uh, marketing, referrals? How does that work? We, we actually don't. Uh, so we actually deal direct with the event companies in this business. So remember, I've got two businesses, Angle Crown. That is where we do strategic partnerships with agencies. Um, the event engine is we have the direct relationships with the event companies. Uh, and again, we've had like, uh, eight to ten years worth of contacts that we've built up over the years so it is a case of going down to london and hanging around the halls and taking people out for coffee and that and having conversations and getting the big contracts in and again these aren't just you know a small website here or there these will be let's try and sell a contract for 20 websites so that's how how that works so that's using kind of just good old school networking schmoozing and going out for a nice cup of coffee and all that sort of stuff so the old the old school methods actually work, yes. Because a lot of these the big event companies are still, you know, they still operate in that. Even in this day and age, a lot of them do still operate in that old school way. In fact, it's surprising. I mean, we all are, we're all surrounded as developers, designers, listening to this podcast, as you guys as well. We're surrounded by this information. We understand marketing quite well because we are, you know, people are trying to sell us courses on it all the time for a start off. Um, but we understand it. We understand the lingo. We understand the terminology. But it's so surprising that most of the world is not doing that. We all think everyone is, but most companies aren't. And these are massive corporations turning over millions of pounds, global corporations. And if you said marketing funnel to them, you're going to get a blank expression, which is super surprising, but also a great opportunity for all of us. And definitely, you're stepping into that void in educating uh, the people because, like you said, we understand marketing, uh, but they don't necessarily understand, you know, lead generation, uh, marketing funnels, all these means of of getting people to sign up. And and one of the things that uh, I I've noticed, I don't I don't know if this site is like brand new or, or what, but but I've noticed you like you launched a podcast and like a blog surrounding this and this sort of education is going on. One of the things that you were talking about that I found really intriguing uh, was talking about doing year-round publishing of content because yeah. I think in our space a lot, like I, I see these conferences that we do like within WordPress um, and it's kind of like, you know, each one does their yearly thing, but then you don't hear from them for about, you know, nine months. Um, what kind of effect does, have you seen with the, ev the events and conferences and expos that embrace that kind of year-round content um, uh, marketing. So amazingly, we've been pitching this now for about six years. Uh, so we feel like we were like way ahead of the game here because now you've got people with Facebook groups with thousands of people in and everyone's doing it. But just to, just to explain the concept first, the, the, the idea is, is you have an event. They are once a year, big expo maybe. Let's, I don't know, Comic-Con. Bad, probably a bad example because they're probably doing it right. But let's just say Comic-Con have got a massive database of people they're going to sell tickets to. All right, They're going to email them once a year and say, hey, come along to Comic-Con. We've got these really cool people coming. Woo. The problem is, is they could be, if they don't have a website that's conducive to publishing information and having people engage on that information all year round, you're missing out really on A, communicating with all those people to keep them warm. Oh, I remember who Comic-Con are. Oh, yeah, they email me every week or every month with cool content. 
Um, but you know, you also then are driving traffic back to your event site. So it doesn't need to be stagnant for six months until the next expo starts kicking off. It actually can have traffic flowing to it all the time, which allows you to not only sell sponsorship to a once event with square footage, it allows you to sell sponsorship to square pixelage. Is that real? Is that a real word? Sounds good. That uh, <laughs> on your website, you can actually sell sponsorship on the website. You can get you know people to put their own content on your website, pay a fee, all that good stuff. So there's, it's just that the event org- uh, event companies have this massive community that they're doing nothing with, um, other than emailing you all to take your money to get you all at a big event once a year, which is like the Mardi Gras of the community. But you could actually be keeping that community warm. You could be adding more and more value to that community throughout the year. And there's tons of spinoffs. And we've seen people doing this where they've been able to put certain prices up, et cetera, as well for certain types of content because they're getting feedback from people saying, hey, we want to see this sort of content. Um, People are able to network. There is a fear that if you do this and people can network on your website that they won't show up to your website. your actual event because they can all talk on Facebook or wherever your community is. Um, but surprisingly, just like the, the WordPress community, everyone still wants to freaking go to the event because it's the Mardi Gras of the community. So everyone goes down there. So they're the sorts of things that we're seeing over the last few years of people experimenting. And a lot of people have only really dipped their toe in this. People seem pretty scared of it, especially event organizers who think that if they give too much away to the community that they the community will not rock up to their event and yet they lose sight of all the other opportunities like obviously all the online monetization etc that goes on that was a really long answer did i answer the original question no it makes a lot of sense and, and actually it makes a lot of logical sense too because if if you're having um you know a once a year event let's just say once a year event and say it's like comic-con you you can watch all the videos from previous year you can you know watch all the presentations and and see all, all this stuff going on in the Facebook group. But people are going to want to uh, get in their costumes and go talk to the people that they've been talking to on Facebook all year long. And it's the same thing in any type of uh, thing, like the WordCamp. So we see it. Uh, mm-hmm. We talk to people on Twitter, but we want to face-to-face time with people. We want to be in the hallway totally. track. So it... You know, definitely, I, I see a lot of logic in what you're saying. Um, you yeah. know, creating this community. What are some good tools that you found for um, creating like a social type of environment, like on that conference site? Uh, what are some tools that you use? So surprisingly, WordPress commenting is super powerful. <laughs> and uh, that actually, if you're putting content out there and putting as speakers content out there as well, because your speakers are creating content, you can do transcriptions and take snippets out of a speech. And that creates a very quick blog post, etc. But just having the comments alone on a lot of event sites, having people log in, sign up for a free account where they can then log in, they can see some hidden information, maybe paid or whatever, but mostly the information is freely available to them. And they can then start co- uh, commenting in the comment threads on all of these conversations that's quite powerful we've also used for some clients BuddyPress, which i utterly hate because it's ugly as anything but it actually is surprisingly quite good so you know i'm just fickle when it comes to things looking nice that's why i'm a mac user basically because it looks nice um but yeah BuddyPress is super powerful allows people to actually kind of go a bit deeper and actually create connections with people as in friendships etc 
um, so they can then also have their own mini groups subsets. So commenting is great for kind of general socializing, almost like a forum style of environment. But then BuddyPress um, seems to be super cool for allowing people to actually make friends with each other, send messages. Although, again, nothing kind of beats Facebook. I hate saying that, but Facebook is good. And everyone's on Facebook. And it's a, a myth when people say, oh, no, business people aren't on Facebook. Of course they are because they're sharing pictures of their kids. They're on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're on there a lot. <laughs> what are some things, uh, another thing that, that we just recently learned about ourselves um, from a previous episode we had with Moisa Mars, she was schooling us on Facebook um, stuff. But the one thing, um, have you gotten people to use the Facebook pixel to create um, – uh, like lookalike audiences uh, on Facebook from or from their email list or from their visitors. Yes. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Cool. There's also a blog post on it as well. We encourage people um, heavily to do this. So if you're getting a whole lot of traffic and bearing in mind, event companies are investing a hell of a lot of money in advertising in all sorts of spaces. So it's not just that they're advertising online. They're doing massive print campaigns. Usually they're sending, um, you know, packaged letters, mailers out to all sorts of people. So if you're sending someone to a particular page from those mailers, so say you're sending something out to all of your exhibitors or potential exhibitors, they're going to land somewhere. You're going to have a pixel for that. You can then, keep that uh, and you can do this for uh, linkedin twitter and um for facebook amazingly enough but you can kind of keep then your brand and your event on their mind because if they've responded to this piece of paper and gone oh i'm going to check that out and have a look at the media guide or whatever it is we've now got tracked them as a you know as a person with it, as a interested potentially interested audience to exhibit at my event therefore um we can then start putting messages out and again it's those 18 or quadrillion touch points, isn't it, that people mention where if you keep just touching someone a few times, you'll probably go to jail if you do it physically. Um, but, um, yeah, the the idea there is is that, you know, they'll keep seeing your brand. They might keep going to specific landing pages. And, uh, yeah, you, you it's far easier to convert those sorts of people. Um, yeah, because when you're doing these print campaigns, which a lot of event companies still are doing, it's very – it's invisible. You're just sending it to a mailbox, and potentially you can never capture that person again unless you keep spamming them with posts, which is expensive. No, great advice. Uh, we're going to head to our break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking more with Lee Jackson about Event Engine and building websites and marketing campaigns for expos and conferences. See you in a minute. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. Coming back from the break and passing the mic. Jonathan, take the wheel. Right, Lee. Um, so you, you said um, in the first half of the show that you, on the event side, you just use traditional marketing, you know, one-to-one at these um at these event um conferences for the actual industry 
Um, and you got any tips? Because I think a lot of developers and a lot of the people um, kind of shy away from actually, you know, it's still a building relationships to a certain... Got any tips about... Was you a bit shy when you initially had to do that? And are there any insights that you could give to people that are thinking of going down the same road? Absolutely. I was desperately scared of doing it. Um, and, you know, me eight years ago was petrified of going to see people. I did go. I was lucky. I had a colleague, so I was able to go with a colleague. And very quickly, because we're talking about something I was passionate about with people, it became super easy because people were interested and, you know, it created great conversations. But yeah, people do have, and I have this exact same feeling a lot. And I, I, I fall into this trap of thinking that what I could probably do is invest in a Facebook ad and put an ideal demographic of who it is I want to see. Um, and then an ad will show up and they'll see a video of me and then they'll go down this cool funnel and I'll be able to sell them a XK website. But the problem is, is, I mean, it, it does work for many, many different things. Um, but for when it, you know, but I've always found for us, especially when it comes to things like custom builds or something where somebody really needs to trust you to do a physical thing for them, like, you know, a website or some development, et cetera, nothing seems to beat yet for me in our experience, just physically being present, actually going out and visiting people. I mean, I hate going down to London. I love London. I just hate traveling down to London because the train's a, a nightmare. But once I'm there and, and we're going to go on Friday and meet clients and go and have a you know beer and all that, it's great. We're looking forward to it. But um, you know, actually being there, being present, it keeps you on mind. People like to buy from a person they've actually met most of the time. Um, and you also just you, you get the benefit of hearing the other conversations that are going on in the room as well. So most of the time we are actually with a group of one client and it'll be a team of theirs and we'll hear other conversations and get involved in all sorts of stuff that's going on there. Um, but equally, even if you're a lone developer like I was when I first started Angle Crown, just going to a standard networking meeting and make, making friends with the people there, not really selling to them necessarily, um, but making friends with them and finding they then end up recommending you in. So... I have found, though, um, that networking through groups works quite well, um, where you can still have this. I mean, right now, if you're listening, um, we're actually on a video as well. Uh, so you, you can go and watch us somewhere on, on YouTube, I'm guessing, um, our beautiful faces. And, um, you know, so you can actually have video conversations with people. So I actually do business, uh, quite a bit of business now through social media, um, through physically seeing people and having conversations and calls like this. Um, but I still believe it or not, have managed to meet up with them physically, even if they're from Australia or from America. There's always been a point where I've ended up somehow winging it so that we can connect physically at some point, which has always been good. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's also um, like bigger projects is necessary to build those one-to-one relationships. And it's the same Mm. in sales, you know. Um, You can never say no, but I don't actually think the real estate agent or the car salesman is disappearing anytime soon, really, um, no. for various reasons. Um, so, um, you what? Another interesting thing you said you learned at the beginning where you tried with your event um, service product this hybrid, which I found really interesting because I think a lot of um, developers 
especially in the WordPress community, are going to go down this model of a kind of hybrid SaaS um, service model, which isn't quite a traditional SaaS model, um, is that you learn, you, it's best to modulate it to have um, different option packets. Um, how long did that take you to realise that was the best route to go down? Um, five years, probably. <laughs> That's a short answer. Five, five years of realizing we had far too many features and they were all switched on at the same time, which was a, a dumb idea. And thankfully, I mean, we'd actually created our code so that everything was in includes anyway. It took us minutes to split everything out into modules anyway. It wasn't a big deal for us. Um, but it was just at, at that point, I suddenly realized we had way too much bloat, too much going on for people to use. Um, and it was just easier to have certain things turned on and certain things turned off. But also the beauty of that then meant that if you wanted to bolt on a new feature, which we've done several new features um, you know, over the last three years, it's just been a nude code. Nude? Ooh, a new code base. Um, and, and we'll fire up another private repository for that module in GitHub, and then we'll work on that and then activate that when it's ready. And we've already got in the core plugin all of our actions, our hooks, everything that we want to get in, uh, you know, and filter into, et cetera. So, so do, you think, really well um, do you think uh, maybe WordPress itself could learn from the experience that maybe that might be a path that you should really go down? You'd think, wouldn't you? You know, like um, I do like, this REST API issue. That I mean, that was a huge one, wasn't it? We had the vulnerability a few weeks ago, um, and not everybody needs the REST API, do they? And could it was a plugin, which worked great. So maybe you know, it, it. I question sometimes certain things. Why do we need to gr get everything in to uh, to core? I mean, I know it's great kudos for the people who developed it. I've submitted to core, but it's even that distraction-free writing, isn't it? Like, if only twenty percent of people using WordPress are using it, um, then potentially adding it in as a plugin is not actually going to reduce the load time of that website. I think there's another psychology there, isn't there? That if you have more than say 10 plugins, your website's going to be slow, but that's not right. Um, it's actually, if that code was just part of WordPress, it's still calling it from, you know, it's a class. It's, it's still calling the file, the script. So just by it being active in a different folder, it makes absolutely no difference. Um, or if it makes any difference, it's probably so minimal. It's not really worth crying over. So, you know, I, I, I do wonder why certain things are in, in WordPress itself and, would hope it would learn in the future, but then I'll probably get shot for saying that. I don't know. Hey, that's my opinion. Yeah, it's just your, um, because <laughs> you know, um, you know, we've had a few conversations about this, and obviously, backward compatibility is a great virtue, and um, some other open source or other content management systems have taken this in a um you know what different way where there are distinct cutoffs you know version six wasn't really compatible with all the plugins of version five or whatever this, this is where wordpress about. has always had that continuity of backward compatibility but mm. um which i wouldn't want to see broken but i also feel that you do end up with a cm 
a CRM with a lot of very old code in it. And a way of dealing that with that is modularization. You know, that's another way you could deal with that situation. But that's just be my quite it'd be quite easy to modulize as well so if you so if you were to run the next update and wordpress decided to take a few of the older sets of code out what they could do then is you mod you, you take that out when WordPress and when it when it does the install you just update the database and say all right um activate these two new little modules which for everyone by default so no one loses that functionality and then you educate everyone say all right this, this, and this are now automatically active in every WordPress install, so no one falls apart. But if you don't need them, you can go ahead and deactivate them. Um, so, you know, maybe I've made it too simple, but there are definitely ways. We don't have to have an eight megabyte zip file um, of WordPress. Eight point two, I think, was the last one I downloaded. Yeah. So, yep, yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. So, what other trends are you seeing in WordPress? Do you think, like Matt? Um, you know, um, WordCamp US, you know, was talking about, you know, driving WordPress so it gets 50% of the total um, hosted market. Um, do you think that's achievable in any way? or um, And how do you see WordPress going in the next year? I'm worried, actually, about WordPress because we keep winning business. Uh, I don't mean WordPress itself, but I, I, more people implementing WordPress. And uh, I'm seeing, as WordPress is getting bigger and bigger, there are more and more people setting themselves up as web designers, which is not true because they are WordPress implementers and many of them don't have an eye for design. So what's happening is we're getting a lot of people coming to us now saying, our web designer, web designer, quote, has built this site, but it doesn't work how we expect it to. It's got bugs all over the place and it looks terrible. And then we're coming in and rebuilding it essentially for them and fixing it. Um, but there seems to be more and more of these these sorts of companies setting themselves up thinking they can just do a quick theme and that and then not really implementing great projects, which is kind of giving WordPress uh, or at least WordPress. Yeah, well, yeah, WordPress and as well as WordPress developers, a little bit of a bad name great for us for our business because obviously we get to clean stuff up but it's really worrying me at the moment and i've had four conversations this week alone exactly these conversations where people have come to us with a site that's been very poorly implemented um so i'm excited that wordpress might take over 50 percent of the market but if 50 percent of those of that 50 percent are awful looking websites it might start to go in the other direction um i don't know that's me moaning that's my old man rant with my pipe. I wanted to jump in for just a second and just agree with something that you said. I do think that, that we're heading to a point very, very soon where the, the people who are just kind of implementers, I mean, there's a space for that for sure. Hmm, totally. but, but, but I think that people who position themselves as developers and all they do is buy a, a theme for a theme and maybe trick that up a little bit. I, I, I don't think that the time is going to be very long for them much longer. I think a lot of those people are going to end up out of business. So that's just my two cents right there. Sure. I agree. Cause it, it does, it, it creates, you know, so many people are, are unhappy uh, with what they've received, but they don't necessarily associate it with the developer half the time. They associate it with WordPress, which is a shame because you can have gorgeous websites on WordPress. Um, but Hey, shall, shall we all have a group hug and cry? 
Well, oh, no, oh. It's, a, it's, a, it's been you know, on the Matt Report, on some other podcasts, um, on ours to some extent. It's been an ongoing mm. conversation. But I also feel the client has to take some responsibility as well. You know, um, if you're expert, you know, if you're looking for a, a luxury website, but you your budget is a Ford Fiesta, um, and somebody says that they can give you the experience of a Jaguar at a Fiesta price, um, your suspicions should be aroused. Um, yeah. But so many. Um, people want to learn deep down they must know that that can't be but they still want to believe it so they they go down that path don't they it's a shame i think um someone said if you think it's expensive to hire a professional try hiring uh, an amateur <laughs> um but you know i i think you know you could i did do some front end development i wasn't particularly that great at it i feel about looking back i was probably better than a lot of people um so. that, that's the thing though we all have this internal bias don't we that we look at our own stuff and don't like it i don't like angledcrown.com and people keep telling me it's great and i'm like yeah no so, <laughs> it's the internal bias i think we put ourselves down it's sad isn't it <laughs> well you know but that's when you go because you went with a quite bold design with a very bold color palette with angle crown and some people it's not going to appeal to them but other people it's going to really love it you know or you could go with a very corporate safe look which wouldn't instill rejection or real passionate like um, mm. you've really got to make your mind up. Are you going to go for quite a bold design, which you decided to do? And oh, I yeah, love that. There's just not enough images of us in there. <laughs> we're, we're so beautiful. <laughs> but you can, you, can, you can see where I'm going with this, because this is the... Um, yeah. With your um, conference product, do you get in also a lot of situations where you get you die a death through... Um, design through committee you know um how do you deal with that design through committee is something that we struggle with for a very long time and um actually i will plug my youtube channel if you don't mind yeah. just run a search on youtube for wp innovator i actually talk about this um in one of the videos and, and how do you avoid multiple revisions and design by committee was something we felt like we could never solve because you have the md who likes the color brown for whatever reason and is obsessed with the color brown it has to be brown and yet you've got three different levels of people that all want to put their stamp on whatever it is even if you nail the brief straight away all three of those people probably feel like they need to stamp a bit of their authority and say i was a part of this process um and then you end up getting all these change you know all these change requests etc the way we've essentially reduced or, or got rid of it in, entirely is um first of all having a discovery meeting where we create an avatar um or in the events industry there's usually a few different avatars uh, because of the different people who are coming to the website you know a potential sponsor a potential actual physical visitor to an event so we'll create those avatars and then from then we'll do the research as to you know what is it that those what sorts of websites for example are those avatars going to you know color schemes all that sort of research mood boards for the avatar not for the md who likes the color brown 
But also when it then gets into the design stage, we're actually talking then at that point about um, the structure. Um, we will uh, d design again for that user experience. We'll design with those colors, those brand elements, et cetera, that we need to do. And we'll, we'll do two or three options. One option will be selected. We'll then go down that option with two revision cycles maximum. Um, and we'll set the ground rules as well as to what a revision cycle is. So if you were to just email me, say, oh, can you just quickly move that? I'm going to say, just batch everything to me. Let's spend 24, 48 hours gathering the feedback and then batch it to us. And that'll be one design amend. And then we'll do a second one. And then after that, you're paying. Um, but also what we'll do with that as well is we will insist that there are a maximum of two to three i say maximum and i just said two to three but you know ideally one person involved in signing off in actually collating all of the feedback but some of these companies you just can't work with them that way you have to have around two to three i get it but at least they are responsible for getting all of the content from their various departments and then you know they will then collate that and we will have a discussion over them and we'll tend to then say no to quite a few things because we disagree and we will hearken back to the avatar um so it's not us being a pain in the neck it's actually the avatar needs this information or the avatar needs to be able to see this and research says that people are more likely to click on a orange button or whatever you know whatever good arguments that we have in our knowledge base that we'll push back on to then get a reduced set of final requirements so that's really helped us stick to the maximum of two revision cycles uh, and plus, because they know they're going to have to pay for anything else, they make the most of those two revision cycles. We make the most of it as well because we're confident in being able to blame the avatar if they say that and say, no, that's a bad idea because of the avatar. We're not slagging you off to say your idea is terrible. We're just saying that the avatar might not interact with your idea as well as what we've already put forward. And here is why we put that forward. So that tends to avoid all of the design commit by committee because it's not what people like within that company. It's what the avatar needs to see and what the avatar needs to do. So you just keep blaming that avatar. Have you, because in that actual, um, that market area, have you come across some problems with, you know, obviously WordPress is a fantastic tool um, for that industry and for yourself. But obviously they have mobile apps and when I've, actually worked with any um, developers in the in the app area and then mentioned WordPress and communicating between the two um, I get a death stare normally have you had problems in that area no we do push and pull um, for loads of different apps so a lot of apps they have their own API so we can very easily pull data down if they use it because a lot of clients will be using a central system to track a lot put a lot of the information in so we can draw down but equally it's very easy good old rest API I mean obviously I complained earlier that it was part of the system now but we used to turn it on when it was needed but yeah using the rest API it's very easy for for an app developer to integrate with what we need to do because it is just simple push and pull of information with a little bit of logic that we might need to do if we grab something, etc. Um, so this, at least for the last two years, communications with apps has not been a problem. Yes, three or four years ago, nightmare. You know, the, the REST API was still in its infancy. It's still just an add-on, etc. That wasn't that had a lot of people behind it, but it didn't necessarily have the clout of Matt and the gang behind it did it, it well maybe it did i don't know but it was still in its infancy there was still a lot of problems um yeah 
waffly yeah, answer, but t- last totally, two years has been I a totally dream. I totally agree with you there. I, I was kind of, it's more of attitude in the Bay Area where I've been talking to some non, because we we all in the WordPress community um, tend to live in a little bit of a bubble and we don't realise there's a much bigger development community, especially in the Bay Area um, where I, I talk to different people and there's a certain attitude about WordPress in those other communities, which I, I don't think is totally factually based. Or it's based on um, experiences they had like three or four years ago, which, you, yeah. which you've pointed out. I think we're going to wrap this out because my co-host and Lee are both a little bit ill, folks. But Lee uh-huh. was really um, very generous on coming on the show, even though he was feeling a little bit rough. Um, what do you think, John? Shall we wrap this up? Yeah, let's wrap this up. And uh, before we go, I just want to remind everyone, if you're getting value from this podcast, be sure to go to iTunes, leave us a review. We definitely appreciate it. It helps more people find this podcast. And uh, and yeah, if we like a review, if it, if it's uh, awesome, we'll, maybe we'll read it on the air. There you oh, go. Oh, definitely, won't we, John? You know, but just to re-emphasize what john says it really does matter to get some reviews it shows the itunes gods that we're still on the planet even though our numbers have increased dramatically over the last three months haven't they john yeah i think um i was looking at the other day we i i think our listenership um our downloads actually doubled um from six months ago so pretty pretty good Pretty, pretty good. Um, before we go, Lee, anything that you want to promote and how do we find you? Yes, um, I would love to promote two things. First is the WP Innovator podcast. If you are a designer or uh, someone who builds WordPress websites for other people, that podcast is for you. And I'm on there every week interviewing people that are a hell of a lot cleverer than me, which is nice. Um, and uh, they give us all the benefit of their wisdom. So that's good. You and me can learn together, wpinnovator.com. And also, if you head on over to YouTube and type in WP Innovator, I've started a, a YouTube channel now as well. And I'm doing approximately, at the moment, one video uh, a week um, of sage wisdom. A few things that we've discussed, in fact, in this episode are also in that uh, those YouTubes. And I've tried to keep them maximum of five minutes because my attention span is terrible. So I'm assuming most people's is, or hoping most people's is. That's no, ex- excellent. No, I, sus- I subscribe to your YouTube for sure. So, uh, yeah. Jonathan, anything that you want to promote? How do we find you? Oh, it's finding me. It's quite easy, folks. I'm on um, Facebook and Twitter. Um, just do Jonathan Denwood on Facebook. You know, join our um, um, WP Tonic Facebook page because all our live panel shows we record and uh, you can watch them on Facebook. Um, and I put some bonus content on there as well. Um, on Twitter at Jonathan Denwood. I'm normally hanging around there. Not, I would say every day, but the next day. Uh, I post and see what's going on in the WordPress community. Or you can email me at jonathan at wp-tonic.com. I do reply to my email when people got questions or they need a little bit of help. Um, Other people help me. And I just want to say, um, um, these are a regular on our Friday panel show. Um, You've been a blast, Lee. Um, Always enjoyable having you on the Friday shows. 
Likewise. And I'm looking forward to having you on our show as well. And Mr. Lock, uh, Lockdown, yours is, yours is, your invite's on the way, just in case you're feeling left out. <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, uh, yeah, definitely. I'm feeling lovely. I'm feeling... <laughs> uh, and, yeah, for all the people in the audience, you want to check out my site. It's LockdownDesign.com. Uh, like I said, I write about WordPress. I write about SEO and things of that nature, marketing in the modern world. You can follow me uh, on Twitter, lockdown underscore, and my Facebook page, just lockdown design. Easy to find. For the WP Tonic, we want to say peace. Thank you for being here. And remember, get your dose. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.